Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hi, and welcome back to Back to Basics. I have an extremely special guest today. I've been trying to get her on the show for a couple of months now since her business partner, Keith Trimmels, shared tidbits of her amazing story on episode 34. When asked how to be introduced, Ilse Van Gogh puts the titles Mom and Grandmother first, followed by business owner, author, professor, sailor, and humanitarian. And trust me, I'm leaving out a handful of other titles. Hello, Ilse, and welcome to Back to Basics. Hello, Leticia. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited about this conversation because I've been anticipating since Keith shared with us, you know, about the book you wrote and about your amazing story. And I mean, just to say that it sounds like the two of you have a, an amazing partnership. So that it's already uh, quite rare these, di- these days. Yes, it's true. We have been partners and really good friends since I think 1999. And we do have trust me we do have our differences once in a while but we somehow seem to work through it and this is very gratifying to me because um, we always did it with uh, compassion but also with respect so uh, to have a good friend like that for all those years it's it's really a good feeling yes Mm -hmm. that's amazing and I can tell you know and the audience too because he's been on the show that there's uh, an admiration uh, between the two of you. And I always say that that's such a key component in any relationship, call it right. marriage, call it business partnership, to have that admiration for whomever you're partnering with, I think it's one of the ingredients to success. Yes, absolutely. He, uh, we, we, in, in a way, we're similar, but on the other hand, we're not so similar. But for some reason, we just are able to um, overcome some of those stupid little things uh, in, in ways sometimes through uh, humor, we use humor, or we use really deep conversation and go really into it, why why we are um, sometimes uh, have those differences, but we see their similarities too, and we'll pull out those similarities and somehow, we are somehow end up okay. And uh, to me, um, for us, both of us, it's the respect we have for each other. Well, that's already valuable insight, Ilse. So um, thanks for that. So obviously, we knew, we know a little bit of you because you share about your book. And uh, obviously, I don't get to invite many people on this show that can talk firsthand of uh, having to go through that journey and that challenge of, of being raised in, in a war, war-turn area. Germany, to say the least. So, I mean, right. Uh, right. that's such a recent history that um, that it's very intriguing and it's also important to tell the stories because it's it's such a, a, a tragic chapter on a recent history um, that I, I'm personally very intrigued. And, and, and the one thing I'll share with you uh, is that my dad, because, well, my parents are Sicilian, he was eight when the American troops invaded his hometown mm-hmm. in Sicily. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, to you know start what you know became the, uh, the 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 victory of the alliance. And Italy was partnering with uh, with Germany at the time, so he was also on 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 a rough side of the story. Yes, um, you know, I, honestly, I do like Sicily. I've been there, so I'm really um, I like the country itself. But yes, my story is. Um, Probably there are some similarities to it because um, um, I was born really into war-torn Germany and grew up in a socialist authoritarian of East Germany. So to me, uh, I had it out coming out of a war-torn, uh, war-torn uh, country and have to uh, be uh, grow up into a socialist communist country uh, that really. Uh, was uh, very difficult, a difficult childhood. But on the other hand, we didn't know any different, you know, till we grew up later on in life. Yeah, that, that I guess is part of the, some people say that, like, if you don't know what you're missing, you maybe don't miss it that much. And then it's until later that you see, wow, I went through all that. Do you think about your childhood, I'm sure? And you say, wow, did I live all that? Yeah, because I don't, I don't really think anything of my unusual childhood for the longest time. Um, we grew up and had uh, children around us. They uh, experienced the same thing. And uh, But in the end, the childhood, when I think back, was filled with a constant and unstated fear of survival, of the war, the starvation which we experienced, and the loss of freedom because of the communist country we had to endure till we escaped at one point well and i and i by the way i bought your book as i was <laughs> doing research to the for this i haven't read it yet i've read i i have read tidbits but i definitely i'm like no i have to read it uh and i in paperback i don't even want to read it in kindle but uh, your book is called five lives the spirit of survival yes right and if i understand correctly so you have a, a sister and a brother Yes, and uh, two cousins who contributed to this book. This is quite interesting how it started. We all went on vacation together in the south of France years ago, and it came to my mind, maybe we should write down some of our childhood experiences. And the immediate response from my family was, from my sisters and brothers, no, we don't need to talk about it. We're nothing special, you know. Really? Nothing Nothing we can talk about it. Or, you know, it was the way it was. And then it took me almost two years to pull out stories out uh, for them to just write down in German. They speak English, but they wrote it out in German briefly. Uh, it's a very specific situation out of, out of our childhood. And um, I put it into context because I knew all the stories to begin with. But I wanted them to tell me themselves their stories. And I um, put it into context, obviously into the English language. And then uh, the stories, some of them were humorous, some of them were so sad, some of them were funny, uh, but um, it, and some of them were actually really, really cruel. And I, I had to decide, I think I had like 40 stories, I think there are two, 32 stories, short stories in this book. And I had to decide, should I really put the stories which are really gruesome we experience into it? I had to pull them out because um, there are some stories which are pretty 
pretty uh, horrible, but not to the point where uh, it was so bad that uh, I just didn't feel this should go into the book. But um, And then in the end, when I received all the stories, one of my, the oldest cousin, Lori, she told me, I said, Lori, if I would come back and ask you for a couple of stories, she said, no, Elsa, I will never, never talk about it again. And uh, I said, why? She said, I never talked about it till you asked me to, and I will never do it again. The chapter is closed. It was too painful for her and for us too to remember some of the things and actually acknowledge that things were really not so good, you know. But as children, we didn't know any different. You yeah. know, we, uh, we just didn't know. We thought that was, quote, unquote, for us normal. Yes. Uh, I cannot even begin to imagine how, how traumatic that was. But, you know, besides the horror of, the, of what was going around you, um, you were also a child and you liked to yes. play. Mm -hmm. And so who were you as a little child in the midst of all that craziness? I know I read somewhere you like to go into the forest. Yes, this is uh, this was my um, my happy place actually, and around where we lived, there was a lot of forest. And when we um, played, we went into the forest and uh, built little uh, huts there out of moss and so on. And uh, but uh, it it was kind of an escape from the war town uh, city uh, village we lived in outside Berlin. And um, it took us away from uh, the older people who um, uh, they, they had the demon on the, of their own, you know, and the children at that point were really uh, let kind of loose. We were not let last children anymore. We just went our own way, came home in the evening, and often we we found some food along the way, some berries, or we had to... Uh, climb fences, and uh, I have to say that we uh, stole some apples from somebody's garden <laughs> and things like this. But uh, in order just to survive and waited for my mother to come home in the evening, and maybe she brought some food home because most of the women worked for in the households for the Russians who uh, were um, stationed in this town. And she brought scraps back to us, and we were able to have something to eat then. So um, I think it was just as survival skills, emotionally, physically, and uh, also as as a child, you you just didn't know everything that went on. You just knew um, you had to survive every day. Wow, that as you're telling me this story, obviously, and I imagine this is you're in a war zone. Uh, there's tons of things going on. You were more or less how old at this stage? Uh, I see the um, at the end of the war. I was born 1940, and the uh, and my memories uh, when I was four or five years old. The end of the war, I experienced more consciously. But my brother was uh, two years older, and um, he uh, obviously had more vivid uh, recollections. And my cousin was actually four years older than I am, and she absolutely had some uh, vivid recollections of what really went on. I always thought, I thought that's what, what went on, but I never could put it into um, context or into words till, um, till I discussed this with my um, brother and my sister and my cousin, and they said, yeah, that's what it was, actually. 
you know, um, we were, you know, we had to hide, not because it was a playful thing to do, but the bombs were coming down again, and we had to hide in cellars again. So um, it's, uh, I was young then, and we didn't escape till 1953, so I was 13 years old when we escaped from East Germany. So throughout, throughout that time, I had experiences, the after-war experience, and then also the introduction to the communist ideology, which was taught, obviously, around us and which was taught in, in our school system. Wow, that's that's amazing. I was thinking before when I asked you about the age, I, what I was thinking is, you know, I have a five-year-old and I'm thinking how now we raise our kids and we get so afraid to let them go, you know, uh, out of our, of our sight. And here you are, you're four and you're yeah. going around the village, going yeah. get apples and your mom is working. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, I mean, the resilience that, that, that you have, your generation. I mean, my dad is a little older. He's 1934. He was born. Mm-hmm. So he was, yeah, he was like eight when, when uh, the, the invasion ha- happened in Sicily. But the, the, I always admire uh, that time bracket because you, you guys really have, have seen a lot of things. And uh, it's a little different, right? But my parents uh, still live in Venezuela. That's the country they immigrated after, after they uh-huh. left Italy. And as you know, the situation in Venezuela is really bad right now. Right, and most right. people say, "Why don't they leave? Why don't they? Why are they still there?" And you know, my dad always say, "We've lived way worse than this." It's true. It's um, it's kind of interesting. Um, of course, we were surrounded. My my sister, my brother, and my my the, the kids only by women throughout this time because the men were uh, captured during the war and we're off somewhere in Siberia, uh, in, um, uh, in the Gulag there and so on. So the women kind of kept everything together. And um, for me to see that uh, later on, I, I realized that how strong those women were um, because, you know, it's, uh, they had to endure a lot because, uh, not because they just had to find food for the children, but they also, as young women, most of them were young, there were Russian troops around the city and at night they were kind of let loose and the women always had to hide so they weren't um, raped. Uh, obviously that happened uh, because I watched it myself, you know, um, women being raped and so on. Um, because that's the war, and after the war, that's what happened. And coming out of that, and the women still taking care of the children, no matter what they had to do, um, that to me, um, it, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty powerful. Absolutely. It's, I, it's still now I get very emotionally about it because uh, those women, yes, without them, I, I don't think we would have survived. No, I, I I totally agree. And, well, that's kind of the heritage I come from as well uh, in terms of the women that I see in my, in, in my Sicilian heritage are extremely, extremely um, 
uh, strong and, and resilient. So before we move into how you making you made, I mean, from that very tough beginning, you really made an amazing life for yourself and for everything I hear and, and that I read. Uh, mm -hmm. But t tell me a little bit more just to close on your parents. So your dad was uh, out of, you know, he was a prisoner they, somewhere. They Yeah, he was, uh, the uh, German men were captured mm -hmm. and then they were put into prison. You know, all men had to uh, had to go to war, They even young boys, so to speak, in teenage uh, age. And they were captured and later on they were uh, let out and uh, it took a very long time for my father and for my family or my mother and us to reconnect again. Um, it was a very tumultuous time and nobody knew where everybody was at all times. So um, it was, uh, we didn't see him for many, many years. After we escaped, we connected with him again in uh, West Germany. Mm -hmm. so, and, and were you able, was your mom, because I know, well, my husband and I, he's on episode three, but uh, his family uh, being from the Netherlands, they, his, his dad was born in a, in a, in a, um, Uh, con not concentration, it wasn't an extermination camp, but a concentration camp in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And his grandparents, they, they also were separated, the families, mm -hmm. and then they could never, like, they, they tried to keep the marriage going, but it was so bad at the end of the day, so it said that, that the grandparents uh, eventually split up. It is kind of interesting. That's a good question, actually. Uh, we were teenagers when we met our father again. And to us... To me, I can only speak for myself, but my sister pretty much feels the same way. He was more like a stranger to us because he was not there, not because uh, of everybody's nobody's fault. I mean, not our fault, but the whole historic situation, the way it was. He never was there for our formative years. So he was, uh, uh, he was uh, more or less like a stranger to me. And um, I always, you know, He was my father, but um, it was a very difficult situation. My mother and my father, they stayed together and they're now passed. Uh, they are both dead now. But um, it, it was a very, very um, stressful situation for us children to have a father in a family again because my brother actually uh, took the place of my father through all the years he wasn't there. And um, that was, uh, for him, it was very uh, traumatic because all of a sudden he was, I wouldn't say pushed aside, but he has father again and you just, um, you know, you're just um, the young boy again. But mm -hmm. he, my, my uh, brother really took his place, the place of my father. He was very responsible. Often he, somehow, I don't know how he did it, he found food for us and he went out and on the lake and caught fish and just to bring some food to the table and uh, or some wood for the, for the, to have some fire in the stove. He just, um, he was just uh, a real provider in that sense But um, but when my father came back, um, he uh, he moved he, he removed him from that place, and the father took over. And I think that a lot of uh, children probably went through that after the men came back from war, because they were often like strangers. 
Wow, that's uh, no, I, I can imagine how difficult and the dynamics. And again, because right. of my husband, I, I see it. I see that his family, and we speak a, lo a little bit in his episode, um, they have even now the relationships between the family and the family member. Everybody's perspective is so different from what happened. Exactly. I, exactly. That is like they're telling different stories. And I, I could relate to what you say about your cousin, maybe no wanted to speak about it and, and, and all right. that. And, uh, and so, but, you know, uh, kudos to your mom that, that was able to pull the family through that, obviously. And then right. 1953 came, and so you were living outside of Berlin. And then where did you escape to? Well, we escaped to West Berlin. You know, that's a long story. It's mm -hmm. also in my book, how we escaped. You just can walk or take the train and drive. You know, you were had to uh, do it in the middle of the night. And um, I didn't know, we didn't know we would escape that night. My mother kept it real quiet. And all of a sudden, she woke us up and said, we're going. And it took us some time, two days, to, uh, it was 80 kilometers north of Berlin to uh, get uh, into uh, West Germany at the time. The wall wasn't up at that time, but uh, the Russian patrols and so on were everywhere. So you had to make your moves at night. But we did get there, and eventually, um, after a while, we connected with my father. And uh, so we, that's how we get, got to be in West Germany. Wow, and and so through all these, obviously you were you were studying somehow. Were the kids able to get some? Right. Yeah. We we uh, in East Germany, of course, we studied. We were indoctrinized uh, to the communist uh, way of uh, ideology and socialism, and um, and then um, you had to make sure you um, did not uh, talk. Um, have any opinions about it you have to take it uh, you cannot could not talk against it you were uh, otherwise you were um, often uh, adults were saying something about what was proclaimed in in, in the communist uh, way of life and they often disappeared so we kids knew that that's what what would happen so we had to kind of uh, also and never say much uh, out of what we were supposed to say. It's kind of like uh, have uh, make sure you don't talk about things that might uh, be listened to because uh, neighbors often were uh, spies for the government too. So that's a well rec uh, well uh, recognized. You know, you had probably had neighbors. You never knew knew who your neighbor would be a spy because a spy also if you're a spy then you get uh, a better uh, uh, then you treatment. Get treatment and uh, you get better food stamps and you were didn't have to stand in line for hours for a loaf of bread and things like this so um, some people um, took that road and um, so we always had to be very very uh, cautious what we were saying and um, so that's that's kind of a horrible way to live and that's why for me um, that kind of life is uh, destructive to the human uh, mind. 
Absolutely no, and, and you talk to to me, and you know, of course, as I share, I'm from Venezuela, and you 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 see right. that now in my country, which was something that oh, yes. we would never experience. Of course, they're right. taking of right. uh, on the Cuban model, and right. I live in Miami, so I have a lot of Cuban friends, also with quite interesting mm -hmm. stories. Um, mm -hmm. And that's so sad that you know that you're telling a story that you know that it's 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 recent, but it's also there are quite a chunk of years separating them. And that there's some people that are still that's very much there day to day today. I I, I totally don't understand that. Uh, um, if you live, just have to wait in line for hours for a loaf of bread, and you cannot get into the university because you're you're not a declared communist because only people like that could go into were accepted to universities. Um, it's it's I I, I really. It's just, it's so obnoxious, and um, I hope people will see the um, huge flaws in that. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, uh, to me, it's really mysterious how, but I think it, it really has to do a lot with what you say, the indoctrination. It, it's totally indoctrination, believe me, Letitia. Um, when I first came to West Germany, you know, I questioned things too, uh, you know, why you could actually select, uh, if you go to a store, you actually could select you know, between three uh, pair of socks, you can actually select, you know, the color. In East Germany, you, there were no socks, you know, or if there were socks, they were probably all in, in the um, olive green color. You know, it's just the thought of being able to select something and make up your own mind. Uh, can you, you, you actually can buy butter. How great is this? You know, and you look over your shoulder if you actually do buy butter. You know, it's just uh, you had to get used to being able to make your own mind up about things. Uh, in um, former East Germany, it was you were told how to think, and that change took for me not a long time, but. Um, I noticed that in the beginning, um, I was I was intimidated by the wealth of things, by the choices you had, and um, and to me that was obviously after a while um, it was just so so wonderful to um, to have to to have this kind of life. And then I looked back and I said to myself, how can people actually not be able to to choose or say things you would like to say without being uh, put into jail. So yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a transition. There was a transition about, my goodness, uh, it didn't take too long, but uh, there was a transition. Mm -hmm. I believe it. Actually, I, I'm very happy that whatever it was that happened within you and your family and then your mom, I mm -hmm. guess, that, that you were able to, to resist, you know, the full power of that indoctrination because it's powerful. It's it is very powerful. It's so uh, you know it it comes in really different ways, and um, and so uh, it's it's extremely powerful. And I tell you, uh, I go up back to Germany quite often, once a year, and sometimes I meet up with people I grew up with in former East Germany, and they've been under the East German uh, government for so many years more. And it is very difficult now for me even to uh, have a conversation, um, a free conversation. Not that they think you know they should go back to a form of uh, to communism, but it's it's just kind of 
it, I think it takes another generation to get over this, um, over the influence they had for so long uh, to, uh, to feel much better, much freer as a person. I totally can see that. But it's mm -hmm. great that you're able to go back and, and in that yeah. you are mm -hmm. also evolving, I guess, and seeing the yeah. changes. And, and, and I can, yeah. that happens to my parents also cannot go back to Italy. Like they go for vacation, they spend the summer there, but they cannot, they say they cannot feel, um, no. they cannot relate to, to people the same way, even their family. It's very hard, right? Yes. That, have, that you cannot relate to your brother or your sister or your cousin because they now are under a different completely um, experience yes there, there's a lifeline it's a whole generation that's in my mind has been lost you know it takes another generation to move forward but i do have this um um being uh, in west, west germany and then in the united states and become my own businesswoman and so on I, my my mind just is exploding with all the things i can do and when i go back there uh, i you know it's like somebody's closing you know the shutters and uh, like i'm talking to the walls to the people there they're nice people don't get me wrong they're friends and so on but i it just it's as blank Uh, stare in their face, you know that I, they they cannot, they they cannot uh, get it, and I understand that totally, totally. Even though they they travel now to uh, you know around Europe and so on, and also to the United States, but it's just different. It's different. So, wow, that's uh, that's amazing. So let's move on to now you're you get all these chances all these opportunities what mm -hmm. happened you ended up you came straight to the u.s or you what what was the 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 pro no i didn't come straight through to the u.s but for some reason i always had in the back of my mind and this sounds i saw one time as a young adult i saw a movie some kind of cowboy movie And I saw, this sounds really funny because I tell this story to Keith all the time. And I saw this cowboy movie and this, um, uh, the, uh, you know, the freedom that was out there and and the wide open places and so on. And and it's really, uh, it really intrigued me. And uh, so to me, that was, uh, th there was more freedom than in, Actually, I experienced in West Germany because I like the open spaces, and um, so I think that's in the back of my mind. I always had to come. I want to come over here. I don't know if I want to live here forever, but I got married, and so I ended up here, and um, and I'm glad I did. And you got married to uh, someone from the U.S. or someone? Yeah, uh, from from yeah, uh, my. Uh, Well, now my ex-husband, he was a psychologist, and I got married and uh, from the U.S., yes, and we lived for a long time. We had uh, three children, and uh, but somehow it didn't work out, and um, so um, I'm, I'm, I became an American, obviously, and my children, they're all grown, they all... Um, they're all productive, they're all fun, they're beautiful children. And I always have seven grandchildren on top of that. Wow, that's amazing. So, uh, but I'm still, um, I'm still um, working um, as a businesswoman. I'm still engaged in the business world. I'm still engaged with uh, in volunteer work. I go on mission trips. 
um, with uh, groups here. And um, but yeah, I came over here and continued my education. I completed my doctoral studies in um, German literature and language, and I taught that for a while. But uh, I also was interested more in under to become an entrepreneur, to become my own businesswoman. And eventually I did, and uh, been for a long time now. God, it's 20, 25 years. And, uh, but in mean, I throughout, I kept teaching at, as an adjunct professor at universities and colleges, and also overseas. I go overseas a lot and uh, taught there for the University of Maryland and so on. So um, I, when I think back, I actually did exactly what I wanted to do. I teach. And I become, became a business person, and I like to travel because I do travel business-wise a lot. And um, also, had a good, I have a good um, business relationship with my friend Keith, uh, and is very supportive in everything I do. So when I think back, um, I'm, pre- I'm pretty good. I'm. I'm I'm doing good. That, that's amazing. <laughs> well, it sounds that way. And the and the what blows me away and. By now, what one of the things that this podcast is giving me is the opportunity of meeting amazing people like yourself and mm-hmm. hear, listening to their stories. But one thing I'm starting to notice is that brilliant people like you make something sound so easy. You just breezed through it, you know, <laughs> where most people would be like paralyzed by fear and saying it's too late in my life and I cannot do this and I cannot do that. And... It's crazy, you know? Well, I don't know. Um, um, I always remember my mother's telling me, never give up, never give up. And then I look back what they had to go through and never gave up. You know, they uh, they came out of it okay also. And as a beautiful human beings, um, uh, positive, they had, a lot, they had a lot of positivity about them, you know, life needs to be lived and so on. Um, yeah, it's, you know, um, I have to share this with you too. I was working in Germany for five years one time on a project with the Department of Defense Dependent Schools and so on. Uh, and and I thought to myself, always, I always go forward, and I thought to myself, there's a good slogan. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, mm-hmm. let's do it. And and I, when I came back to the United States, I said I, sh- I should really um, uh, get this slogan somehow um, uh, for myself. You know. And then a friend of was it Keith or somebody else told me, you know, uh, there is already this logo, uh, this phrase by a big company. Um, let's let's do it. Uh, yeah, let's do it. I think that's what mm-hmm. it was. Yes. So, but, but then I thought, well, you know, in essence, what I'm trying to say is um, just do it. Oh, the, the logo is yeah, just, that's just do it. It's Nike. Yeah, yeah, just do yeah. it. Uh, Nike. And I thought I was pretty, well, that's a great one. You know, I'm going to go to uh, have it, uh, get it for myself and so on. And, but that's my, that's my, that's my mission always. Uh, you just got to do it. And obviously, I do have days, you know, but like everybody else. But I told Keith, too, you know, I decided years and years ago, if things can go, things do not go wrong, if things go wrong, um, why don't life goes on anyway? I'm going to 
give it one day, only one day, where I just mope around or just read or just, um, you know, even watch television, which I don't do too much. Uh, just, I just give it one day because otherwise the, something else, well, I cannot, um, I'm missing out on my own life because then I'm living somebody's life watching television all the time. I'm, I have to live my own life. So for that reason, I told Keith always, just give it one day, you know, and after that, it's over and done with. Just mope for one day, <laughs> whatever you do. You know, go for a walk or work out or just uh, have a beer or something like this or read a book or just lay around. After one day, it's over and done with. Keep moving because you will never get the days back if you just hang out and just wait for something to happen. You make it happen, even little things, you know. So that's that's my motto. Just, uh, and also... You're totally responsible for your own life. That's one thing I totally believe in. Um, there are a lot of things happened to me over my lifetime. I don't blame anybody. It's historically speaking, it's some things you can never change. People who might have not your best interest at heart, um, you you just keep and push them outside of your inner circle. You just take really responsibility the way you conduct yourself and um and i think that's worked for me it's 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 hard work trust me it's hard work but um i don't know how else to live actually i really don't well that that explains it you know it's uh it's it's amazing i feel like i'm on a mentorship uh session <laughs> because you, you are so unbelievably amazing but um it's funny, you won't believe this. Three days ago, I had one of those bad days. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, how many times can one get punched and, and, exactly. not, and not surrender, right? And, and mm -hmm. I thought exactly of the Nike slogan, <laughs> shoot out to Nike. And I say, just do just, it. I, I was yeah. in my car and I said, just get out of the car, just do it. And I say, that must be the most brilliant slogan that someone created. I know. I know. <laughs> and I know. now you tell me that story. That's so funny. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. Um, when I worked in Germany for five years, I'm, I'm also a sailor. And uh, in order to get to Germany for my job there for this project, I had a friend and we both owned a sailboat. So, so we, we had sailed across the Atlantic. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, uh, I, and, I, and eventually I ended up in Frankfurt and he also had a job there. Uh, so, but when we had, uh, we had bad storms uh, going across the Atlantic because it was a small sailboat, it was only uh, 30 feet long, which is not very long. Yeah. Going across. And, and that's where this uh, Just Do It, this thing was born. Uh, and I had little, um, made little notes around the uh, in, in, inside the uh, sailboat and taped it to everywhere. You know, just do it. Uh, don't give up. Just do it. Don't give up. And so when the storm, when the storm usually comes, it, all those uh, little little notes kind of because of the water and the humidity and everything just fell on the floor again in, in the cabin. So I pasted them up again. Just do it. You can do it. And, uh, and I think little... Uh, phrases like that or acknowledgements do help you over rough spots uh, at least give pushes you 
pushes you off this uh, place where you're stuck and maybe it's the first step that you have to have something in your mind that tells you can stay like this move forward and I give it it's kind of cruel just one day but that's exactly the way I work and next day I kind of pull myself out of it I don't want to do it but I promised myself I will do it so I think it's just uh, for me it's just um, it's just a way of life really I think that's very good advice I think procrastination is one of the worst things that a human being can do You know, delaying, complaining about something and just instead of just taking action. Um, and, and I think that's how a lot of people get surprised when they hear stories like you, all you've achieved and, and you know, you're someone that's still, you know, talking about what you want to achieve. My dad is 85. He goes to work every single day. Yes. He always, com the only thing he complains about, you know, what is this? Is it, I, I need some overtime. <laughs> when we're talking about a project or something you say where do i get an extension <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, people like this it's it's unbelievable yeah you know for me uh, with all my work here and keith and i were working all the time and he has his things going and i have my things going i'm and i'm um going on a mission trip to mexico in a couple of weeks and then uh in In May, I will be going to um, Nigeria, Kenya, Nigeria, to Kiberia slums there to provide uh, clean water by with the use of a filter. We wow. uh, this is um, a mission here I'm working with, and I've been to Vietnam with the same company because I always um, feel um, I just have so much um, in essence this country gave me, and. I have now the capabilities of paying back and I go to places and help out on missions um, for real quick for the, in the um, mission trip last year to Vietnam was quite interesting because it's still a communist country and we went out into the, uh, the villages and so on and I saw the uh, the uh, hammer and sickle flags, the red flags, and the young pioneers on the streets, and um, and um, the, the altars which uh, um, they worship Ho Chi Minh, and uh, so on. And I it just, I, I really, it really hit me hard that people still have to live under this um, this regime, and. Um, And so that was a deja vu for me again, you know, how far I have come to recognize this as this is evil. And uh, and luckily I was able to escape and also to be actually the person I I really wanted to be. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough, uh, tough realization. You know, to, in my case, I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. My son was two when I took him to Venezuela and my daughter hasn't been. And uh -huh. uh, because they listen to the news and, you know, we have so many friends right. and they tell the stories. Right. And I say, would you come with mommy to Venezuela? And my, my son tells me, I don't want to die. I don't want to get killed. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. so sad because it's your country. Yeah. You know, you want to you want to show them um, right. where you were born, where their grandparents <laughs> live. And, and, and it's just uh, it makes me very sad that exactly what you're saying. And, and that's, you know, where you have poverty and then you have a, ba a, a 
bad people <laughs> doing bad things right. Right. and you have all the all the components for from for a perfect right. storm that's why i personally and that's a whole different podcast but i get personally very frustrated with uh for example now there's a big telecommunication show gonna happen soon and you know where it's happening in cuba oh really And I get so frustrated. I say there's yeah. so many nice Caribbean islands because this is a Caribbean right, association right, 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 where right. you can host this event and you go and exactly. have it in Cuba where you're, exactly. yes, you're helping the people say you're helping people because you're bringing money, but no, no. I don't agree at all with that mentality. They, they do get the money, but it's not the people who get the money. Correct. They still make 69 cents. I, I don't know if that's correct. Uh, an hour or something very I don't even know if they do this but the the money that goes in the people who um, you know have the little shops and so on and or work for the big hotels they do not get the money you know it's 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 like um, I'm going back to former East Germany the elite the communist elite ate very well ate very well but we didn't you know we had to scrounge around So um, it's um, that's just it's very I, sad. I, it's very sad. It's hopefully it's it, it, it changes. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I'll say, and I know you are a very busy person, and I, this has been fantastic. I definitely, once you come back and you want to share on an episode just about your missions and what you see there and your thoughts on that, I would love to have, you know, in the future, uh, an episode where you share the experience with that. I think a lot of people are intrigued by that kind yes. of work, and they mm -hmm. just don't know how to get into it or how to to make mm -hmm. it happen. So I think that would be very, very interesting uh, discussion. I, I would love to do that because I got into it um, several years ago and uh, it's so fulfilling. And uh, you can work it around your own work schedule if you really want to, but you always come back with a sense of, um, we have too much and there's so many people in the world just, just um, Talking about the clean water, there are over 800 million people who do not have clean water. And uh, it's just, it just blows my mind, you know, that people, children die all the time of uh, typhoid fever and so on because there's no clean water. So I'd be happy to talk to you about this and uh, various missions I'm going on. I'm going on to a um, vision mission where we bring uh, glasses to uh, to people in Mexico and we did this also in Vietnam I went to another one so no I'd be love I'd love to uh, do this because that's that's extension of myself um, you know what who who I am you know to go further out than just uh, what I'm doing here uh, there's much more to do in the world than just um, my business, which is very important to me, that there are other things I like to bring into my life and I like to share with other people yeah. uh, and, and other lives. And that's why I think you were a great guest because obviously, and Keith knew this, you stay connected with what makes you tick, with what gives you joy, with what makes you feel worthy. Oh, I mean, yes. Yes, 
Oh, it's it's unbelievable the people you meet. That's why uh, part of mine is also a cross-cultural communication. I teach this, but I get new impulses from different people I meet, uh, and uh, I see, you know see it through different eyes. What the way they see things, and uh, it gives you another layer of um, of of the way um, of of the uh, your surroundings. You know, it, you don't just stay focused one way. It gives you another layer how people see things. Yeah, it's not only the one way to, to see it, but uh, uh, acknowledge other people's experiences and knowledge, too. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Ilse, I only have one question for you. Last one. If you have one hour to do okay. what, if you have one hour okay. to do something that makes you happy, that happy place that was the forest for you as a child, is that your sailboat or what? What, mm -hmm. what do you envision to be when you want to connect to your true essence? Uh, totally, I, I would love to be out at sea again. Totally for days or weeks uh, because you do you have to look look at nature how nature uh, really beautiful and you just have your eyes wide open and look at it and see powerful nature around you and you're just a little person not a little person but you're just a person one of billions of people uh, but you have to acknowledge how t nature how powerful nature is And um, and I liked an old sailor told me one time, which I did actually tied myself to the mask in a real bad storm while crossing, and I looked at nature, and it was powerful. I never forget this picture of the waves as really going across the bow of the boat and so on. I'm tied to the mask and said, "This is powerful." I never was scared. So I think that was something like that. I think I could use again. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No, that sounds that that definitely sounds powerful. <laughs> tying yourself to the mask. Total. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Total. Total. Uh, how would you say uh, combination of you and the nature in one and trust, right? That everything will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And do not fear it. Do look at it. Actually, look at it, and um, and uh, experiences, and the fear goes away. I love it. So I'm going to leave that because that's a great closing statement. When you, Thank you are afraid of something, anybody listening out there and that next thing you want to do that uh, gets you a little bit afraid, just look at it. Do not fear and just do it. <laughs> yeah. Just look at it with really with open eyes. I mean, really open eyes. Just say, don't say, yeah, I kind of look at it. Experience it. Bring it into your Bring it into your body, into your heart, into your mind, you know, what you're seeing. And then, uh, you know, you feel like you can actually do more than you think you can. Wow. Thank you so much, Ilse. I know I'm going to have a fantastic rest of my day after this chat with you. It's been great. And uh, I really wish you all the best. And thank you also for all the work you're doing also in all those missions. I definitely yes. will make sure to ask you about it and put it in the show notes so that people can check it out. Thank you so much. I really appreciated our conversation, Leticia. You've been very kind. Thank you, Ilse. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>